Today's episode is with my friend, Vicki Schilling, who is a wellness business mentor. She helps health practitioners turn their expertise into income. And she has this really cool four different like avatars, if you will. You could take a quiz. If you're on my email list, I sent out her quiz a couple weeks ago, but she's got this really cool quiz. It's like, what type of entrepreneur are you? Like what type of wellness business should you you have basically based on your personality. And it's not like trying to put you in a box. It's, you know, you can obviously shift and change as your career goes, like what type of entrepreneur you are, but it's so, I just found it to be really permission giving. And it made me think about some of the things that I've always like thought and been teaching in a different way. And I really enjoyed our conversation and learned a lot. I think you will too. Welcome to Holistic Marketing Simplified, a podcast for health and wellness professionals looking to simplify their marketing. I'm your host, Molly Cahill, and this podcast is brought to you by Holistic Marketing Hub, our hybrid program that supports you with personalized coaching, caption templates, and virtual classrooms. In this program, we teach health and wellness professionals how to fish, but we also bait their hook. Head to holisticmarketinghub.com to learn more and use code podcast for $100 off. You can find full show notes, resources, and more at mollykahill.com slash podcast. Vicki, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. And anytime we can have a lovely accent on the show, then, you know, it makes her happier listening, right? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry if I've disappointed anyone because I am based in Ireland, but I don't have a lovely Irish accent. So you've just got the English one instead. Well, you still, I still love the English accent. Yeah. How long have you lived in Dublin? Six years now. Yeah. Six, okay. nearly six and a half years. Yeah. Is it like a major difference? No, not, not huge. Um, yeah. It's just the scale of everything, you know, I lived in London, population there, what, nine, 10 million, I suppose that kind of fluctuates on people coming in and the whole population in Ireland, I think is about five or six. So Ah. yeah, it's just, everything's that little bit smaller, that little bit slower paced. You go to events here and you pretty much always know someone or bump. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Which actually I quite like that has its pros and cons, but compared with the kind of full-on hustle of feeling like you miss out on everything in London I've I've really enjoyed yeah the change of pace so I've already done your intro but tell us like how did you get into what it is that you were doing now yeah um I'll try and give you the condensed the condensed version as I'm sure the condensed version is always hard I'm like uh 10 minutes Uh, later Molly's still talking no just kidding (laughs) where do I start so I used to work when I was working in London lived in London I used to work in the music industry I used to work in the classical music industry Um, yeah and my parents were musicians it's what I always thought I would do I didn't want to play I wanted to boss people around and organize things so I worked in management um my parents are orchestral musicians and so I managed orchestras would manage tours and and my last job was kind of international touring and it sounds wonderful and glamorous and everyone's like why why would you leave doing that um but I think my body was basically saying this is not quite right for you I was really yeah. struggling with IBS irritable bowel syndrome yeah. I'm sure some of your yeah. audience mm-hmm. is familiar with you know of real course. terrible crippling bouts of bloating in the afternoon you know, kind of doubled over in pain Ugh. traveling and needing to find where the nearest toilet was which is absolutely not very convenient when you're trying to organize things and be in yeah. control yeah and just kind of feeling like I was you know working against my body a little bit so really got to that point where I, I just had enough and enough was enough something needed to change and basically tried to commit to 
changing my own health, changing my mm. own lifestyle, um, really naturally thought it would just be one food. If I just find, you know, cut out lots of food, and work <laughs> one food that is causing all of this, then magically I will be fixed. And actually kind of felt like I opened a Pandora's box when I realized of all of these people kind of joining social media, Instagram in particular, and, and starting a, a blog, sharing what I was learning was it was so much more than that. All these amazing people that were trained as health coaches and nutritionists and things saying, look, it's more it's more than that. And going on my own health journey, really, with that, like I say, I, I started a blog, I was using Instagram heavily to kind of connect with other people and just realise there's this whole amazing world. I wanted to be part of it, but I also kind of knew I didn't, I, I shadowed health coaches, talked a lot to nutritionists and was like, I, I don't really want to do the science, that just isn't me, yeah. I don't want to go yeah. back to school for four years. And actually realised what people started to ask me was, I had a you know, award-winning blog. I was starting to earn money, you know, through collaborations with people. I started running retreats with a nutritionist and people were asking me things like, well, how did you get your website running? And how did you social social media? Wow. And, how, and actually that's what I loved helping people with. Mm-hmm. So I trained as a coach and realized that's what I wanted to do rather than me training as a health coach or a nutritionist or a yoga teacher or whatever it was. I wanted to help those people, that community yes. that I've grown to help them you know, find that confidence, find that courage, coach them and teach them some of the digital marketing skills that I'd gained along the way running my running my blog. Yeah, I love that. We have a very similar story. Mine was more of like off, obviously like conventional medicine just failed me and my family miserably. And so I was like, I'm going to go back to PA school, which I don't know if you have a, that equivalent. It's, it's like a nurse practitioner. It's like, they're not a physician, but they can prescribe prescription like medications. They usually, it depends on the state, have to work underneath a supervising physician. And I just like, I'd already paid off all my student loans. And like, I just like looked, I was like, I am going to pass out if I have to like draw someone's blood and B, I was going to have to take 27 hours of prerequisites before I could even apply to PA school. And I was like, what are you doing? Like your superpower is sales and marketing. And like, you and I get to come at it from this lens of, Hey, where are your ideal client? Where are your ideal patient? Like I'm not a clinician and we have that language to speak to your ideal person versus when you're in it all day, every day. I feel like my, my clients get so frustrated with me. Cause like anytime they talk about the nervous system, I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? And they're like, well, you know, I'm like, no, 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 let's talk. My my classic is I'll say to people, that's really nice. But does your ideal client wake up in the morning and say, I wish I could regulate my nervous system better. And then they laugh at me and I go, right. Should we find some other language to use? Instead yes. Of that? yes. And I know, like I said, I, I do these two hour intensives with people and I'm like, I, you're going to kill me, but that's still not what we're, we're not there yet. Let's keep going. We're, well, you know, the nervous system, it regulates fight or flight. I'm like, nope, still not no, there. Sorry. No, not, not in my vernacular. Not what I'm going to be Google searching, not what I'm going to be looking for on social media. Yeah. Sympathetic, <laughs> parasympathetic. Nope. Keep no. going. <laughs> keep digging. Keep coming back to some normal. Language. I know. I know. I'm like, please don't come through this computer screen and strangle me. So there's a couple of things we want to talk about today. One, and this is interesting is you actually teach I wouldn't say you teach a social media free per se, but you actually don't do a lot of social media. And 
at first I was like, oh, do I want to talk about that on my show when I'm the one that teaches social media? But I do because I don't only use social media and to market my business. And I don't think anyone should. I think that's definitely having all your eggs in one basket and it is not the best route. So I want to first talk about how you other ways that holistic practitioners can market their business other than social media. Yeah, this for me came about the more people I was helping and particularly because we help with people in this holistic space, this kind of wellness space where they know they wouldn't recommend to their clients to be glued to their phone all day for their own mental health and their physical well-being. And yet what they think and what they see is the only way people are marketing themselves is via social media and being gripped to their phone for 12 hours a day, which you and I know is absolutely not the case. So I was getting a lot of people saying to me, I, I, and again, like you say, I, I'm not anti-social media. It's been incredible for me. It's where, like I've already talked about where I started, where I built a community, where I continue to get clients today, um, but where it, you can end up having a kind of unhealthy relationship with yes. it. And I don't want anyone to be reliant a hundred percent on that just because it can be fickle. Things change. The algorithm, you know, can throw us a curveball, and, and we think we've got it one day and it's all out the window the next. So yes. I think I, I have always been at great pains to say to people and the things that I know you you recommend as well and through the podcast episodes is a social media account is best utilized if it's backed up with a really good website where you can mm. direct people off or that other people that are actually Googling for you, for people near me and the kind of subjects that you cover where you can be blogging or create, you know, creating content over there, which can be repurposed and shared on social media, by the way, we're not asking you to do something else completely separate, but a website for me is a bit of a non-negotiable. Actually, I think a lot of people will trust you more. They will make a buying decision if you have a solid website, if you have something there. So that is a bit of, like I say, like a non-negotiable for me, that that is a central hub for you and your business. And you do use social media to remind people there is a website they can browse and go and and find. And combined with that, a mailing list as well, because social media, we know it, it can happen. It crashes, it goes offline, you get hacked, you you know, find suddenly you've lost 3000 followers overnight, which some of us did wake up and find that a few years ago, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And actually a mailing list is your one way to communicate people when you have the data yourself, they've given you permission, they want to hear from you. And actually people make more buying decisions in their inboxes, actually, yes. than they do on social media that that's backs it up and reinforces and connects with people, but mm. actually where they make buying decisions is often in their inbox. And so that for me, th- those two key things are, are that I definitely get people to think about a marketing outside of social media or alongside social media. Yeah. And it's like more bang for your buck in terms of time too, because you could, like, I have a friend who um, had written a blog post about a meat, a local meat delivery, not local, but like a, and do y'all have butcher box over there? Probably not. So it's good. Anyways. Yeah. It, yeah. So she'd written a post about butcher box in like 2018. And then when the pandemic happened and everyone was like, not going to the grocery store, people were Googling meat delivery and she ranked, she made like, oh my gosh, it was like $30,000 off one blog post of affiliate income that she'd written two years ago. And that won't happen on social media. I mean, you might have a real, this, this is odd. I don't know how this happens, or I don't know if it's someone picks up the audio or I don't, I don't know how this typically happens, but have you ever had a real takeoff like two weeks after you've posted it? Sadly not, but I, I yeah. hear <laughs> things happen. 
Yes. Um, I've had that happen. And I'm like, what people are, I posted this reel two weeks ago, but still you're not going to get near of the shelf life. And, um, not, not years like that. Yeah. And even if people don't open your emails, just seeing your name, it's like one more touch point. I think that's the point that everyone, or people will say to me often, I don't want to annoy people. I don't, you know, well, I, you know, I get really annoyed when people email me all the time. You know, I wouldn't buy from someone. So can we try and flip the script a bit? Someone wants to hear from you. They actually, most statistically and research shows most people when they sign up to a mailing list actually want to hear more from the person, yeah. not less from the person. Yes. There's a reason that they handed over their email address and said, yes, please come into my inbox. Yes. And actually utilizing that. And like you say, repurposing where else you've created content and resharing it via your website via your mailing list via social media means that you're not sharing it in one place and going oh no one really saw that and I worked really hard on it you've got other places to to share that content as well yeah and it's like if you can start with your you know one weekly like core piece of content or even start with once a month you know just to kind of get your your feet wet then I, I mean, I have found, I I have a lovely um, Canva and I love making Canva graphics. It's like, it's one of those things that's been really hard for me to like hire to someone else because I enjoy it. Yeah. But I found shout out Mari, like she's great. And she, I'll say, Hey, take this blog post or take this podcast episode, which we then make into a blog post. I have a copywriter who helps me with that. I'm like, make that into a carousel. And then like, maybe I'll film a couple of So you're not having to completely reinvent the wheel every time, which I think is what people think. They're like, Oh, I have to make content for this. And then I have to make content yeah. for that. And it's like, no, you really don't. No, I agree. And that's what I, I, I think most people will start with social media because that's what they see. That's what they're using. That's what they think everybody is doing. And then when you say, it'd be great if you had a blog or a podcast or a video, so, you know, something else or YouTube channel, something, and then share it on mailing list, they go, oh my God, but that's three things rather than one. I go, no, start, like you say, start with one of those things and then repurpose that content and keep making it work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly when I got started with my my website, vickyshilling.com, would look up, right, what are the most frequently asked questions, those kind of evergreen questions that people are always asking? One of those was how to name your wellness business. Ah. And similar to you with that, you know, that, that example of a 2018 blog, I wrote back in 2019 when I started that website, how to name your wellness business. And even last week or two weeks ago now, a lady jumped on a discovery call with me. She'd Googled how to name my wellness business. My website had come up. That blog post had come up she wow. then loaded a freebie she you know she I could then see she's downloaded several freebies and she's booked in for a discovery call and then she came on a free time you know and it turned into a sale and I thought that is from one blog I wrote back in 2019 and it's still working and getting found and finding ideal customers for me that's incredible so let's let's stay on that train and then I want to talk about your your archetypes but yeah. you kind of want to walk us through any like recent case studies that might come to mind of clients you've worked with and like maybe how they came in and like what you helped them like main problems and then how you know kind of like the outcome yeah so I uh, there's kind of two different types of people I love to help people that are right at the beginning of their journey so quite often people will find me because I do quite a lot of teaching at some of the colleges the kind of nutrition and health coach and you know the kind of colleges here CNM IANH and a few over here in in Europe and that will be the perfect time for me to catch people where they're just finishing up their qualification their course or they're coming to the end of it 
and they're thinking, right, how do I now turn that into a business? Um, how do I start getting customers? And the really proactive people, which is obviously the people we want, are the ones that, are, that want to get themselves ahead. They don't want to have to reinvent the wheel, sit there and, you know, like you see, figure it out, post terrible things, bland vanilla content on social media for years and wonder why they're not getting any customers. They, they want someone to help them. And so I will help people like that. I've had a couple of examples in the last year of health coaches or nutrition and lifestyle coaches who will come to me and say, right, I'm qualified. What do I do? And we go through everything. We go right from clarity on what their goals are, what they want, how they want their business to be. Who are they trying to help? Who are they trying to reach? Really describing that ideal customer. How do we put a package together and offer for them that's actually going to be and price it in a sustainable way and way that's going to work for them? Um, then we look at website and mailing list. How do we build that? And I um, help quite a lot with kind of copywriting side of that as well, kind of making sure the the key words and, and I was yeah. going to say convincing. I don't like convincing, but, you know, compelling content yeah. is on there. Yeah. And then a, a marketing strategy of, I call it connection, because for some people it will be heavily social media. Some people will be light touch social media. Some people are like, I don't want to do it at all. And we come up with, okay, cool. What's going to work for you? What actually can you envisage yourself doing going forward? So that is a real joy for me, seeing someone qualified come through that kind of support with me, whether they come through my um, self-paced course, Just Start Now, or whether they come and work with me one-to-one and we do it a bit more tailored. And then by the end, they're like, I've got a website up and running. I've got an inquiries coming in. You know, I'm starting to collaborate with people. People are reaching out to me on social media because the content's collecting. And I'm just, oh, that's just, that's really rewarding. And that that can happen in kind of six, three to six months from, from finishing. One thing I love about, I think this might be even how you and I found each other was we have a really similar philosophy on like the clear over clever. There's this preschool and summer camp, like 10 minutes away. It's right by the grocery store. And it literally has in the most giant neon letters, not neon, but you know, like the lit letters, it's this big preschool building. And it says preschool <laughs> and it says summer camp after school. And so every time we drive by, my husband always goes preschool. (laughs) But then like the actual name of the preschool is like creme de la creme and it's like really small, but I'm like, if you just had creme de la creme, like huge, nobody would know what that is. So it's like, yeah, there, there are brands like Spanx and Apple. And you're like, if yeah, they're household names, we know what that is. But so I'm not saying this is like a hard and fast rule, but it's a hell of a lot easier to sell when you don't have the same brand recognition that like, you know, Apple does to say, to say exactly, you don't have to be cute. You don't have to have a cute marketing name. It could just be. <laughs> and and also that I think what holistic practitioners will fall into is that they're selling the thing, the tool, the thing that they're doing. So I know, mm. for example, a lot of nutritional therapists, it seems to be really drilled into them at college that they need to explain to everyone what nutritional therapy is. And I was like, like that's vaguely interesting, but the most important thing to an ideal client is, do you understand them? Can you speak in their language and tell and say, this is what you're experiencing and struggling with. And this is where you'd like things to be. This is how I can help. This is the outcomes of working with me. The kind of nitty gritty of what nutritional therapy actually is, is maybe a part of the buying decision, but certainly not the lead, the lead part. And like you, I went home recently back to Kent, um, in the UK in the southeast and walked past a little chalkboard outside a, a building and it said sensory experience rooms appointments available at 12 and 1 p.m and I thought 
what the hell is a sensory experience room? And again, I was like, what the short, I would have bloody rubbed all of that off and said, again, I don't know. So I'm completely like working on a whim. Like, are you feeling tired and overwhelmed? Come and, you know, book an appointment for 12 o'clock inside this sensory experience room. Or are you feeling, you know, need some connect? Like, tell me what it is that it's going to do for me or who it's for. Don't tell me what, like, use a phrase or a word that means absolutely nothing to me. Yes. Yes. And like, again, that's, it's hard when you're the practitioner, right? And you've got all these shiny things and you're like, Oh, I want to use all these things. And it's exciting. And there are some people, like you said, it is part of it. I had Deanna Pacina on a couple weeks ago. Did you listen to that one with the disc uh, assessment? No, but I've, I, I know I was in a mastermind with someone who used to do disc assessment. And yeah. So it is, there are, there are certain personality types who need that, like that, you know, but it, it's not the, it's not the attention catcher. It might be something that helps them, you know, end up making the decision. Like once they, once they get to know you a little better, but no one's like searching, how do I have a sensory experience? (laughs) They're not searching unless they know, and they've been shown it. Yes. Disc assessment and, and disc personality and things like that. They're looking for the answer to a question. How do I interact better with my, you know, how do I improve my leadership team? Or that's that that's what it does. It's just that you happen to have a tool that fixes it. And you and I know that, and we can see that, but like you say, when people are immersed in it, they don't see that that's not the bit to lead on the yes. emotional decision comes from elsewhere yes logical logic dictates i need to actually know what it is i'm buying into but that's not where you want to hook people in yes i want to transition to talking about your different archetypes that you have identified because i think this is fascinating and it's it's so fits the ethos of this podcast is that it's like yes on one hand it is nice to have this roadmap and be like okay like this is a plan that has worked for this person. And so now you can plug it in and try to make it work for you. But when you're super rigid about that plan, you're going, like you said, you have some clients who are like, I'm not doing social media or some that are like, I'm not, you know, going to go to an in-person networking event, whatever it is, you have to find something that works for you. And, and then I'm always like the queen of it. And And sometimes you do have to do things outside of your comfort zone. But my point is you have to find in order to be sustainable and to continue marketing yourself, you have to find something that works for you, right? Yeah, that that's the absolute critical thing for me. It's so interesting because I worked with a coach a few years ago and said, she said, I I said, I want to help people create sustainable businesses and particularly marketing the thing that you and I help people with getting themselves out there. That has to be sustainable. I remember this coach saying to me, no one wants sustainable. And I was like, I think maybe your audience doesn't want sustainable. Mine Mine definitely does. Like that's something they really crave. They want to find something where they can get into a groove with it. It feels good. It feels like something they can keep showing up for and that they're excited to do rather than like overwhelmed by pressure it feels like it's not authentic it's not them and that they do for a short period of time yeah maybe it works but then they feel completely burned out and exhausted by it yes. so yeah I was trying to blog every week what was it last last year and I love to write like my backgrounds in I started off in journalism school and for just for whatever reason it felt so hard like every week and then I'd put it off and then I'd go well maybe I'll blog every other week well maybe I'll do once a month you know and then I was like you know what I like to talk. I'm going to start a podcast and I love it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's so and, different. And that's, it's so crucial that you, that you do that. And sometimes, like you said, 
I know people crave that, like, just give me the blueprint, just tell me what to do, and I'll just do the steps. This is the really interesting bit for me, because I can tell you till I'm blue in the face how I did it, how X did it, how Y did it. But actually, the coaching part for me comes in when we're like, what do you want to do? How do you like to do Uh, things? Are you willing to experiment and like we said be bad at something or try something out and go no that just doesn't fit with me to get to the place where you find something that you you can stick with and that is sustainable yes so you've got four archetypes right okay yeah so the the top one that I think most people assume is the successful version is what I call and I've named them all that they're all written about in my book and my my quiz which we can link to um, is an influencer Izzy and I feel maybe in hindsight I shouldn't have called it influencer Izzy because I know influencer brings people out in hives and makes them go oh no that's not what I want maybe (laughs) maybe she's content creator Kathy or or something but basically the model where it works really well for some people where they are absolutely willing to create lots of content on a platform that they have chosen, whether that's Instagram or a YouTube channel or mm. maybe podcasting or something. Um, and that really that business model is they love creating content. They're willing to do that for a good long time, maybe feeling like they're not talking to anyone initially, but they they keep going with that and build like a really large loyal following. And then they can sell things like, you know, courses or one-off workshops, or they can collaborate with brands and things like that. And that's where their money comes from because they they have this sphere of influence. They've got large mm-hmm. following and that's very much based on large amounts of content. And that works really well for some people. Like, I, you know, there's big, often very popular accounts that I think a lot of holistic practitioners will look to and go, well, that's how to be successful. That's the only way yeah. you can do it. I don't want to block your flow, but I will just say one of my, like, I just took it down as a pinned post because the audio stopped working on this reel randomly, but it's like that, that is the trap. I see so many of my clients fall into is I'm like, yeah, you could have that business model. If you're no longer seeing clients and patients all day, if you're actually in practice, you can't put out the same amount of content that these people can, because most of these people aren't, aren't actively seeing patients or clients anymore. So that as a business model, like I say, I see that as a business model that leads back to, so there's a couple of examples in the UK. Um, One I refer to in my book, there's a lady called Charlotte Sterling Reed. She does all about um, baby weaning, you know, how to wean your baby. And and again, like her unbelievable amount of content answering every question under the sun that anyone has ever asked her about how to feed their baby, how to overcome nut allergies and how to introduce vegetables and what mm-hmm. to do about fussy kit, you know, blah, 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 blah. But she doesn't see any people one-to-one. She runs webinars and workshops. She works with brands. She has a book deal, um, you know, and that's how she makes her money. It's oh, not like yeah. you say, she's not in practice every single day as a pediatrician see, seeing children or a, a pediatric nutritionist. Right. It's a different business model. So, if you are, like you say, trying to build a clinic where you need, to, you want to see three, four, five clients each day, you can't be expecting to to create the same amount of content or to come up with the same result as someone like that. Yes, I love that. You can't do both unless no. you don't want to sleep. 
<laughs> exactly. Which which I think is where people fall into that trap. They're trying yes. to be the influencer Izzy model and then realizing that they're trying to serve their clients and, and look after them as best they can as well. And they are exhausted and then they're burned out. So actually, I think the kind of flip of the influencer Izzy is what I call a bespoke Betty. Mm. So that is where it is. You're, you're building a clinic where most of that work might be one to one. Maybe you have some kind of group thing or something in person that you do with people, but largely it's a in-person clinic or online clinic you're building up a a one-to-one client base a lot of your stuff will then come through word of mouth referrals ideally you would have a website like we've talked about and people are finding you you know nutritionist near me health coach near me or you know answering those questions maybe you do talks in the local area or or even online with kind of like-minded audiences absolutely you'd use social media but really light touch in comparison to some that kind of influencer Izzy model and that is where I I actually think most people when they take the quiz and end up in that kind of model and I Mm. tend to find when I talk to people about these two different ways and we'll talk about the other two as well there's a sense of relief of like oh I've been trying to do the marketing for an influencer Izzy business model and trying to fill my bespoke Betty actual one-to-one practice at the same time yeah no wonder it's not working and I feel tired yeah yeah I love that I didn't even know we had this little piece in comments this is perfect okay keep going Okay, so the other the other way, the other two ways then that I see people making this work is the third one is a responder, Rachel, I call her. Okay, Um, and I think some people find this a a huge relief when they see that there is a business model where what I often hear is people will say I get bored. You know, I like bespoke Betty sounds nice, but I don't just want to keep seeing, you know, people with IBS or people with fertility issue or, you know, having a clinic with the same people, same program. Like, you know, I, I like to chop and change. I like to do different things. I, you know, I've got lots of ideas and, and, and things. So I do embrace and accept and can see examples of people who are much more um, responsive to what their audience wants. They will absolutely use social media, but it won't be like I have a clinic. These are my this is my three month, my six month offer for you. It will be more like, oh, I can see people are asking me for this. So I'll go and create this. Or why don't I do a workshop on this? Or why don't I do a webinar on this? Or why don't I create a little digital product? Or maybe there is some kind of one to one offer that would answer that and fit that. But it's much more responsive. It's much more flexible. I often find, find when people are getting started, that is a good way to test things yeah. out and out what you like. There's no, you know, it, you can set up a one-to-one clinic if you're sure it's what you want, but some people will be like, oh, I thought this is what I wanted. And actually it's a bit more boring yeah. or it's, it's not quite what I wanted. So being responsive. And that for me is really key that they, the marketing plays into that, that you're listening, that you're asking questions, that you're immersing yourself in what people are saying they are struggling with and they need, and that you basically create product services that that kind of answer that. Yeah. And I was just say, like, if you are, do fall in that bespoke Betty category, like to not be afraid to iterate and change, because I think a lot of people spend so much time in that initial decision phase of like, what will be the thing, my offer, my offer, what's my offer. And I'm like, just put something out. Either you hate it or your clients don't buy it. And then you're like, okay, I'll just pivot. Yeah. It's just information, isn't it? I also would say, give it a good, at least 90 days of really marketing it properly, you know, following your advice, actually promote it, launch it want to use that, that kind of terminology get it out there so at the end of 90 days you can genuinely say I tried everything and no one bought it rather than 
Oh, I mentioned it to someone at one networking thing or popped it on one Instagram post once. (laughs) So it must be a disaster, you know, actually trying and getting it out there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like that does. And and again, with any of these, anyone listening, thinking it's, it's not a case of you only fix and stay in one of these archetypes. It's knowing when you might flip and pivot and and move between Mm -hmm. them which actually then links me on to the the final one the fourth one is what I call a signature sally which is where you might reach a point where you have nailed you've nailed a really good methodology for something you've you've created something which actually you're like that's what I want to do that's how I want to help people that's my signature offer my one you know, true calling way of helping people yeah. that really transforms people and what I want to put people through. And again, that that can look different. That could be a one to one program. And maybe you only work with, I don't know, three people every year. Or maybe it's an ongoing, I don't know, six month thing that you help people through and mm-hmm. and you take people through. Uh, maybe it's a membership some people will have and that's the way they support and, and take communities through things. Like, But for me, the signature Sally is then someone who's committed to that one thing maybe she's done the responder Rachel thing or she you know she's tried various other models and she's like this is what I want to do and for me the marketing with that is absolutely social media because that that will play a part in it you tip typically especially if you're bringing people in at a certain time you want to draw attention to it and drive drive people to it but also good website positioning really good kind of maybe being seen in the press and PR that's kind of authority pieces as well and yeah making sure that you've got a good enough audience to to kind of sustain yeah. and put people through that signature offer. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of some people are coming to my I see exact this is so brilliant. I love it. One thing I'm asking for me personal not personally, selfishly I guess I should say is I find myself just my personality type kind of falling in that responder Rachel because I'm like, oh you need that? Sure, I'll create that. But then I'm like, at what point does it become too much? And then your audience is confused. I'll tell you how I've kind of I've just have my, my main two signature offers on my website. And then I have a few like quote off menu things that I might promote here or there. Mm. But I, for example, I had this lovely massage therapist I worked with in Pensacola when Florida, when we lived there and her menu of services was, I shit you not three pages long. And I'm like, Debbie, we got to like, what you need to do is you need to more like market it as like time with you or like the result. And then like, it's up to you as the practitioner to figure out which modalities and or like which tools in your toolbox you're going to use for that specific person. So I know there wasn't like an exact question in there, but I would love to hear just because I see myself in the responder, Rachel, at what point is it too many offers and people don't know what to pick? Yeah. And you're right. Like it goes back to our point about the sensory room and the, you know, creme de la creme, you know, playgroup and and (laughs) you're expecting the client to know what it is that they need and pick off that smorgasbord of options. And actually they want the confidence from you to say, you want this transformation. You want this change. You want to feel like this in your body, in your mind, in your, you know, with your health or do this thing here are my offers. And I agree, there's a sweet spot between people feeling like they have choice, there's things that they can purchase and invest in from you, and overwhelm of just way too too many things for them to go for. I think I would, again, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule with it. I'd certainly say three pages worth of choices is not helpful, Yeah. Yeah, probably too much. I like the idea of having something that is a kind of 
signature VIP, you know, something that's like, this is the real shebang. If you really want the change with me, this is how I work. I quite like also a little one-off and I know you do do those and I do as well, you know, that kind of like a little hit because people get an introduction to working with you. So whether that is a, a you know, massage therapist or something like that, a, a one-off, some kind of choice, three to five things that you can choose from. But each of those, like you said, has to have a clear outcome. Like, why would I choose between them? This is for you if but this is the offer for you. And ideally for me, with a lot of people I work with, I say you need to get people on, on a call or contacting you, Mm -hmm. which options right for me. Well, why don't we have a chat about it? You tell me what you need. I'll tell you which one of my three options, five options is best. Some people like to say you have that kind of pyramid of like, you know, cheapest chips, you know, Mm -hmm. um, entry point, a no brainer offer, a considered investment and then a VIP thing. Some people say you you need to have things at all those levels. I, I would disagree with that. I would say you don't need things at every single price point if it doesn't, if that doesn't align. Yeah, with- I mean, I'm not going to buy a $27. If I saw somebody selling a course on something for $27, I'm not buying it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but and what's funny if it's a thousand dollars and it's somebody I trust, I'll, I'll buy it in a heartbeat. Like I just did. I just bought a $1,400 course two days ago. Yeah. Just like, didn't even think twice about it. <laughs> and again, I think we have to remember, it's interesting from like price point of what you think is a no brainer or a considered investment. It might be different for some, for someone else. So it's, it's making sure, well, that's going into pricing, you know, strategy, but making sure that you've, you don't, second guess someone else's willingness to invest or how much money they've yeah. got actually like you say if they if you trust someone and the outcome is what you've communicated clearly this is what i can help you do this with my help you will achieve this or you know my goal is that we work together on this if it's ticking all those boxes they'll part with the money i'm the same like i've just i've just invested in someone similar level two and a half grand and was like he sent one email i was like yes please that's exactly what i need here is yeah. my money. Yeah. And then there are the people though, like you said, going back to the disc and just different personality types who do need that little intro and that dip their toe in and like, yeah. So yeah, it's, um, that's why people often ask me, well, what type of content, what, how long, how short, how many do I'm like, that's why I like to have this like variety because there are so many different personality types and types of people and yeah, that's like you said, that's a whole other conversation, but this was so awesome. How do we find you? Your quiz got sent out to my email list. So if you're on my email list, you would have already gotten this quiz, but we'll send it out again when we do the podcast recap. But how do they take the quiz to see what type of archetype they fall in and how can people work with you and find you? Yeah, best thing is come to my website. So that's vickyshilling.com. You can find everything there, the quiz there, how to work with me, come inside my course and community just start now or to work with me one-to-one yeah that's that's the best place to to come and find everything that I do and your website's so pretty too I love it I love all the colors yeah (laughs) thank you so much for your time and I really appreciate having you on pleasure thanks for having me Thank you for listening to Holistic Marketing Simplified, brought to you by Holistic Marketing Hub, our hybrid program that supports you with personalized coaching, caption templates, and virtual classrooms. In this program, we teach health and wellness professionals how to fish, but we also bait their hook. Head to holisticmarketinghub.com to learn more and use code PODCAST for $100 off. And hey, you know how every podcaster at the very end of their episode asks you to rate and review their podcast? Well, that's because it's super important. 
these podcasts take a lot of time and heart and effort to produce to bring you free information. So in order for me to be able to continue doing that, we need more people to find out about the show. So if you could, please just take like two minutes out of your very busy day to leave me a rating and share this on your Instagram stories and tag at Molly A. Cahill. That's C-A-H-I-L-L. I would greatly, greatly appreciate your support. I truly appreciate you so much. I know your time is valuable and I can't wait to see you in the next episode.